the new wife didn't like the son and told the father, her husband, to, to give him up for adoption. And he was going to do it. You are kidding me. <laughs> I don't believe it, You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hi, David. Hey, honey. That's so much better. (laughs) This podcast episode was recorded quite a while ago, and it was the first one that I did by myself, and I was petrified. (laughs) You can probably hear my voice shaking. Be like, today we have. (laughs) That sounded more like a goat, didn't it? It did. (laughs) It did. So this was the first one that you weren't here to do with me. Good job, honey. Like I said, it was way back, like summer. Mm. You that far behind? I'm not that far behind. (laughs) I just, I just. (laughs) You just have no excuse. No, I just. I did others before I did this one. Oh. And I was, I think it was because I was so nervous that I thought this one was complete crap and that I wasn't going to release it at all. But then, then I was editing it and I was like, hey, that ain't too shabby. <laughs> Probably because the guest speaks a lot, which is good, instead of me talking. And he has a lot of good insight. Did you say he? He. What? I know. Uh, so that's why you weren't going to publish it, because it was a he. Oh, so now you're saying um, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're feminist. biased against men. You know, all these people in these stepmom groups bashing men all the time. Goodness. Like on Shark Tank, when Lori Grenier told that guy that she felt like he didn't pay her any attention because she was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I ain't released your... I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, welcome to the not-so-shabby version of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so when you hear me stuttering and my voice shaking, you know why. Because your first one by yourself. I was scared to death, y'all. I ain't, I'm not lying. I can't wait to hear what uh, a fellow dude has to say. Well, it's not just any fellow dude. He's an author. Oh, cool. His name is Elliot Katz. Okay. That's a cool last name, in it? Mm-hmm. And he wrote the book, Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. Hmm. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I had actually met him through somebody else's podcast, and I messaged him and said, hey, you want to be a guest on our podcast? He said, show enough. Yeah, he said, show enough. <laughs> Girl, you just tell me when and where. I'll be there. Little did he know that it was going to be seven months before I released it. <laughs> <laughs> little did you know it was going to be seven months. Yeah, little did I know. So did you learn how to make me be a strong man that you wanted? I talk about you a lot in it. Do you? Oh, I definitely need to hear it then. Well, not a whole lot, but, you know, um, I bring up my marriage before Jackson's dad and how I always said that I needed a mix between my previous marriage and Jackson's dad. Mm-hmm. And you were my mix. All right. Was that the mix of the both sides you didn't like? <laughs> yeah, David, that's exactly what it was. That's why I married you. It's like, I want to find one person that has all the bad habits of both people. <laughs> No, nah, I think that Marilyn Manson's in jail. Isn't that Marilyn Manson that's in jail? No, he sings. That's a singer, ain't it? Y'all stop laughing at me. Stop, stop it. 
Stop. Uh, you're such a pop culture genius. All right, go ahead. Keep going. What's the one that's in jail? Charles Manson. Yeah, and that's who I, y'all know who I mean? He's dead. He died? Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess people weren't really sad about that, though. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know you're listening to this, Mr. Manson, and we apologize greatly for my ignorance. He sings like crazy songs, though, right? He's not the one that ate the bird's head. <laughs> wow, my gosh, no. Who ate the bird's head? Ozzy Osbourne. Oh. Oh, yeah. He's you on. No, Crazy Train. He's on that TV show, or was, that he had a wreck on a four wheeler or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, his wife's on The View, or was. I don't watch it, but. Sharon? Yeah. Look, I knew her name. Good job. Pat myself on the back. <laughs> I need a. Back patter, back patter, a back patter, a back patter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, talking about crazy train, you're going off the rails. I know. <laughs> now that song's gonna be stuck in my head. All right, thanks, David. I'll be singing it later. Yeah, so let's back to our author who's listening to this going, What the world? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he got that off of um, hearing me on the other interview. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he wasn't scared. That's because he's a strong man. <laughs> so we talk about men being the nice guy. Mm-hmm. What's that saying? Nice guys finish last. Yes, that is a saying. <laughs> Do you feel that's true, David? You wouldn't know. You're not a nice guy. What? Yeah, that's what I'm I said. A, I'm a very nice guy. I didn't stutter. Your ears must have been a flapping because that's what I see. I'm a very nice guy. To who? To women. <laughs> Because you always complain about it. <laughs> Somehow you call it flirting. <laughs> What's that nervous laugh for? <laughs> I just can't with you. I'm blushing. I need a fan. All right. Um, let's get back on track, David. I've been on track, crazy train. So, <laughs> crazy train. Is that going to be my new name? Today it is. And Ozzy Osbourne sings that. Mm-hmm. Good job, Lori. Good job. <laughs> hey, look, there's nothing wrong with patting yourself on the back. Everybody deserves a good pat on the back. And if your significant other is not nice enough to give you a pat on the back, do it with yourself. You don't need them to lift you up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Y'all should see the <laughs> the physical motions she's going through over here. <laughs> like she's doing some kind of inspirational talk or something. I am. <laughs> Lift yourself up, girl. Do not lay in those trenches and let some man kick dirt on you. Rise above. What are you doing in the trench anyway? Some of them feel like they're in the holes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably the hole they dug. David. Woo! Preach it, brother. Our listening <laughs> our listening numbers just dropped tremendously. No, they'll go up because everybody be mad. You gotta hear what is David saying. <laughs> yeah. He'll be, be getting a hate mail the like David I do. David Haters Club. Club. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start the David Haters podcast. Ooh, see if that's a website. <laughs> DavidHaters.com. <laughs> DavidHaters.com. Hey, I got an idea, y'all. <laughs> I love my ideas. All right. So I really enjoyed talking to Elliot because not only um, does he have some wonderful insight and has done a lot of research, but he also is divorced. And so he knows what it's like dating women and having kids with the ex. Mm-hmm. So, so he's, is that like the premise of his book? Like dating women 
as a single dad? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's about being the strong man a woman wants. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And part of that, I'm sure, conveys to, you know, (laughs) conveys to the men in blended relationships needing to be the strong man. Right. So maybe I need to get divorced so I can write a book. Maybe I need to get divorced to lose about 30 pounds. How about if I threaten you with divorce and you'll lose 30 pounds? That won't work. That's true. Well, we can both get divorced, lose weight, and then get back together. Okay. <laughs> I'm game. All right. Can you move out, though? I got too much crap to pack. I'll just move upstairs. Okay. It's hot up there. I don't want to move up there. Okay. We'll do that. But then you'll lose weight quicker than me because you'll be going up and down the stairs. That's right. Uh, Which means I'll be a stronger man <laughs> than all these other women going to want. Oh, really? <laughs> Y'all see David's gigolo side's coming out. Uh, well, I mean, for a book, you know. When are you going to watch that movie? I have no intentions of watching You're going to watch it. You're going to watch it before the next podcast. Elliot, I'm sorry. Yeah, Elliot, he is sorry. All right, move along. Move along. See, Elliot, this is what we're talking about. That him telling me to move along is too much, too strong. Back up, David. <laughs> telling me to back up is not too strong. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain to you that you, you're overstepping yeah, your boundaries. Do you, do you see the yin and yang happening here? Like, I'm telling you to move on. You're telling me to back up. I don't know who Marilyn Manson is. You think I know who yin and yang is? But I'm telling you to move on, which is press forward to, to progress. And you keep telling me to back up. To digress. I'm not telling you to digress. I'm you telling you to quit being mean. You're saying back up. Don't That's, be bossy to me. That's what I'm telling I you. I am not being bossy to you. You are. You know I don't do well right, with that. All right, well, let's go. Step it I up. I am the boss in this family. All right, step it up. Oh, no, no, no. Get to stepping. Get to stepping. <laughs> I'll be stepping all over your head in a minute. <laughs> Get to stepping. Y'all, he's going to make me bust out a little nerfy. You want to be a stepmom? Get to stepping. Oh, Lord. <laughs> For all hate mail, please email David at (laughs) davidhaters.com. I'm kidding. We haven't got that yet. It will come. Don't be afraid. All right. So. Okay. You ready to get to listening to Elliot? Get to listening to Elliot Katz. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Before we do, here's a word from my sponsor. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Hi, today we would like to welcome Elliot Katz to the Nacho Kids podcast. How are you today, Elliot? Good. Good to be here, Larry. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Elliot. I know you've written several books. Um, I guess your most recent was... Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants, Timeless Wisdom on Being a Man. (laughs) So I live in Canada and uh, I'm retired. I used to be a speechwriter for politicians and... um, then I retired, and now I do a lot of writing <clears throat> on my own and uh, just enjoying life. It's, uh, I wrote this book, Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants, Timeless Wisdom on Being a Man, as a result of my own journey looking for answers, like a lot of people. You know, you get divorced and you're blaming the other person. And then you come to the point of asking yourself, what do I have to learn from all this? It's, blaming isn't helping. Yes. <laughs> so 
I really went on a journey. It's really fascinating. And the more I, I do this, the more I realize like men are really confused. I think we're more confused today than when I started my journey because there's all these very confusing messages about what a man should be. And you know, a lot of these ideas just don't work. They're, they're just like theories that really don't work. And it's really when I turn to the teachings that, you know, there's a lot of writings over the centuries about what a man should be. Mm-hmm. And when I turned to those teachings, it just blew me away because they, they seemed to, they, they were the answers that I was looking for. And not only answers that I was looking for, but what I, what I found women complaining is lacking in men today. You know, they don't show leadership. They don't make decisions. They don't take responsibility. And men today, they think, I mean, I get this all the time, is that if I tell men, you got to show more of your share of leadership. You can't just leave everything to your wife. Oh, that's being controlling. I don't want to be controlling. And I just let her do everything because I'm a nice guy. I'm, I'm so nice. I just let her make all the decisions. Well, <laughs> you're laughing. but uh, Oh, oh <laughs> I know. I know. Believe me, I know. And they think they're being a nice guy. I want to be a nice guy. But uh, to the women, they feel, and I, I've heard this so many times, it is, you know, when a man leaves everything to a woman, it makes him feel like he's a child and she is his mother and she resents it a lot. And, and that's, that's it. So the fascinating thing is that like, men don't realize, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. That's what really struck me about what I learned is that a lot of men think I'm doing the right thing. So why is my wife happy? I'm, I'm just being nice and whatever. And they, you know, they're not lazy, these guys. They come home, just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want, I'll, I'll, you know, all the list, give the kids baths, put them to bed, wash the dishes, take other, whatever they, she says to do, he'll do. I'm the nicest guy. How come she resents me so much? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know why. <laughs> uh-huh. I know why. So, uh, and even single women, the fact that they would say, and this is like, you know, as a man, you think, you know, I want to make the woman happy. I asked the woman out on a date. Here, you choose what you want to do. We'll do it. And they don't get it. They think, they don't realize to a woman, but a man is, doesn't take the time to like be a man with a plan. And if he asks her out, has no plan of what he'd like to do. It makes her feel like, how is he going to handle real challenges? Like, you know, choosing a place for a cup of coffee isn't hard, but if he can't even do that, how's he going to handle real challenges and decisions that have to be made, you know, in a family, in a marriage? That's how she's easy. But the guy thinks, I'm being so nice. I'm showing her I'm not controlling. Right. That's the thing. I'm showing her I'm not controlling. Well, you know, being controlling is abusive, right? It's nowhere. <laughs> has nothing to do with like suggesting a place to go for a cup of coffee. Right. That's not being controlling. Exactly. Um, I was married before, um, not with my son's father, but I was married before that. And that marriage was like you're talking about. It was whatever I wanted to do. Lori's way, you know, it was like Burger King, have it Lori's way. And I didn't like that. And I'm a pretty strong woman. So I needed a man that was at least a little stronger than I was. And I'm not bashing this guy. Um, I think the world of him. But I always said that between him and my son's father that I needed a mix. I needed the strong man that was also sensitive enough to care about other people, you know, not just Billy bad butt, you know, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That that you know, someone who just whatever you want, yes, dear, you decide. It's 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 very frustrating for a woman, but at the same time, you don't want a man who's like domineering and controlling because that's that's miserable. That's that's really being abusive. That's no way to treat another person. You and like you say, you know what what you just said. 
you know, today's strong woman wants a man who is her equal or, or stronger than her. She doesn't want a guy who says, you know, whatever you want, you know, you decide, I'll do what you want. And, and think he's being, I'm, I'm being so nice. I'm being non-controlling. So what, what my point is like so many men think, you know, aren't I doing the right thing? Aren't, aren't I, you know, I remember one fellow saying to me, you know, he comes home from work every day and he, his wife complains that he just talks about his feelings all the time. I said, well, you know, <laughs> you know, like maybe occasionally if you talk about your feelings, if something very tragic happened or someone you love passed away, you could, but if you're coming home every day and like spilling your guts out about what happened at work and somebody was bad to you and they, you know, it, it's really, she really, she really wants to look up to you. She wants you to be the rock that she can lean on. And if, if you're just spilling your guts out, talking about your feelings all the time, and this fellow said, well, you know, and he was getting divorced. And he said, well, you know, he told his wife, other women will want to hear him talk about his feelings because that's what we're here. All men have to talk about their feelings. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally, <laughs> not all the time. Not, not every day. Not every day. Yeah. Definitely not every day. I remember um, David and I had been dating for a little while and I'd left one night and I called a friend of mine. I would talk to her on my way home so she could keep me awake while I was driving, you know, kind of late at night. And we were talking and it hit me. And she's like, what? Because I was like, oh, my goodness. She's like, what, what? I said, David is my mix. She's like, oh, no. I said, yes. And so I was scared to death because he wasn't supposed to be my mix. He wasn't supposed to be relationship material, you know? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Especially with four kids, four kids. And I had one and, you know, the whole blended thing is just a mess. It's a challenge. It is. It is. But I'm thankful that I found my mix. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's true. I see a lot of um, women, they'll start dating and a lot of friends of mine, they'll be like, oh, he's so sweet. And, you know, he does everything for me. And then it's like, he treats me like I'm a baby. You know, it quickly changes from being appreciative of the affection that they're given to you're too needy. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And it's easy to go in between the two. Exactly, exactly. I mean, too many men, you know, think if they, you know, spill their guts out, that, that uh, they're showing they're sensitive. It, it's, you know, people always ask me that word sensitive, but men being sensitive, I, and really has, it really has, well, more than two, but I look at it as two meanings. Being sensitive is being sensitive to other people's feelings and realizing the impact of your actions on the other person. That's being sensitive right? to me. Mm -hmm. You think about how what you do will impact the other person. To me, that's being sensitive. But being sensitive, like just, oh, I'm worried about this. I had this trauma in my life. You know, like that's not sensitive. <laughs> some guys will do yeah. this on the first date. You know, like no, I was this. I, you know, I, I, you know, I was rejected. I'm, I had this divorce. I mean, you know, I, I, well, I'm divorced, as you know. And and sometimes a woman will ask me, like, to tell me, oh, why are you divorced? You seem like, and I said, you know, ask me on the fourth date. <laughs> <laughs> not on the first date. I'm not going to get into this. I, I, I don't want to get into all this uh, stuff about, you know, stuff that, that's hurtful to me. I'm not ready to spill that out to a, a person. And I think men have to realize, you know, really a, a woman wants you to be the tower of strength that she could look up to. She wants you to be her hero. And you just always, you know, just think if, if, if a leader of a country or it was always like spilling their guts out or crying or something, it's like, <laughs> You you wouldn't want him as leader of your country, but you know I remember one one fellow. I was one interview I did. The interview asked me, you know, is it a sign of strength for a man to cry? I said, well, 
you know, if someone you love is you know, like your mother, father has, has passed away, okay, you know, it's it's very sad. You can cry, but if you're crying every day, it's <laughs> she's not going to put up with yeah, you. Yeah, you might want to get on some medication or something <laughs> if you're crying every day. <laughs> Hey, I just I just thought of a new book idea for you. A hundred and one things not to discuss on your first date. <laughs> you know what? It's uh, you talk about medication. I mean, I know one fellow who told this woman. He says, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm on this medication, but I'm 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 going to switch it. I'll be I'll be better on this other medication." I say, "You tell that to a woman on a date? <laughs> are are, are you, know, you serious?" It's not, it's not Yes, you're serious. I know you're serious. The stuff that we hear is crazy. So I know the stuff you've heard is crazy too. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really, you know, I think men have to realize that women really want men to be strong. Not, you know, even even like like we were saying, I, I met one woman who has her own business. She says, you know, I may be a boss at work. Like she has got employees, but I'm with a man. I want to feel like a woman. I want him to take charge. I, I want I want him to be the man. And it's really important. It makes her feel, what I try to explain to men is it makes her feel special. You know, she doesn't want to be controlled, but if you ask a woman out and you think, you say, well, you know, I thought we could go here for dinner, then maybe we'll go to this movie after. You know, you're not forcing it on her, but you have a plan of what you think you'd like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, asking her if she agrees with it, but then she, she, it makes her feel special. Like, hey, this person took the time to think about what I would enjoy doing. Exactly. It makes her feel special. I tell them all those old-fashioned ideas that we thought we don't need to do anymore, you know, they make a woman feel special. Like One thing I've been interviewed about a couple of times, like who should pay, oh, especially on the first date? Like who should pay? I don't know if you saw, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that quoted me on this. And I said, you know, a man should pay because it's, and it's not about who makes the more, most money it's not about equality. Like that's not the way to show you believe in equality by splitting the bill. It's like you're you're making her feel special. It's not it's not even the amount you spend. You know, you you take her out for a cup of coffee, pay for her. You take her, you know, don't take her out someplace you can't afford because that's not you. Right. You're not. A, yeah. You don't want to be extravagant, but like pay for her. It makes her feel special. You know, and you know what? When you pick her up, go outside your car and open the door for her. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, chivalry has gone away a little bit, or for the most part, but there's a reason that it's the way it is and the way that it should be. It makes a woman feel special. It, I've never had a woman say, you think I can't open the car door myself? <laughs> I think I might have asked David one time. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm not driving. What are you doing? <laughs> you do have to make them feel special. Now, let's discuss from a man's standpoint and the being a father of children after a divorce and dating. Right. Well, I'll tell you my uh, belief. I, you know, especially dating, I mean, when you're first starting to date after a divorce, it's hard. It's like you're getting back in the world that uh, you haven't been in for a while. But one thing I I found and one thing I, I tell friends of mine and I think I mentioned it on the other show we were on. Is that I, like I, I have a friend. He was he had four kids. He, they were living with him, and he dated this woman for four or five months. And then he introduced. He liked her, so he introduced him her to his kids. And two days later, she broke up with him. And and she, I said to him, you know, she resented that you probably pay too much attention to your kids, and you know she really showed you it's not meant to be. Because if she can't accept that, then you know it's really not meant to be. 
So I, I, I told them what I do is, is you know, when, if I meet someone, I feel, hey, this person is special. I, I, I can see some, uh, you know, potential future with this person. I, I introduce them to my kids because I want to see, is she comfortable with it, with my kids? Mm-hmm. Is she, is she going to be resentful? I pay attention to my kids because I have I have a responsibility to pay attention to my kids. And if she is jealous or resentful, it's really not meant to be. And there's really no, you know, it's not meant to be. And, and that, that's really, you know, and everybody has a list of deal breakers. And that's obvious. If you have, you have children, you, that has to be a deal breaker. If this person is jealous or resents your kids, it's, it's not meant to be. I know a couple. Well, I know. Let me just tell you. So I know. There was a man, he had a, his wife passed away, he had a young son, he got remarried, and the new wife didn't like the son and told the father, her husband, to, to give him up for adoption. And he was going to do it. You are kidding me. <laughs> I don't believe it, boy. I, I know these people. I don't know the father, but I have met this boy. He's now a grown man. Fortunately, this man's sister and her husband said, give him to us, we'll raise him. And those, those are the people I know, the parents that actually raised him. So, you know... You don't want to get into those situations. You don't want to have to be in a situation where it's me or the you know me or the child. It's it's if a person can't accept it, then it's not meant to be. You know, just like everybody has deal breakers. You know, you, you a, in a relationship could be you want somebody who has a job. Like a lot of people, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a woman's not going to get involved with someone who doesn't have a job. Yeah, so that's a deal breaker. In the same way, this person has trouble accepting your kids. It, it's a deal breaker. That flabbergasts me that somebody would give up their kids for somebody else. But at the same oh, I time, know. I wouldn't want to be with a guy that would give up his kids. Right, right, right. Of course. Well, that's just like, that's probably the most extreme case I know. But, you know, there's all kinds of situations where, you know, kids are made to feel unwelcome or it, it's, it's, it's not healthy. So I can tell you, I've been fortunate that, the women I've dated have been very positive towards my kids, especially the ones that don't have children them, themselves. They're very, you know, they like the idea of, you know, being involved with uh, children and helping them, you know, as they grow and develop. Your kids are a little bit older, though, correct? Right. They are. They are. But I know years ago, one girlfriend I had helped my younger daughter find a job. You know, like where she worked, they were looking for someone that she thought my daughter would be suited for the job. And you know, she arranged an interview for her and she got the job. So that's, hey, that's great. That's yeah, that's what you want, right? You want someone who's not sort of trying to push them away. Like you're taking up too much time. You're taking away, taking up too much attention. But that that's really, that's yeah, uh, really uh, important. Right. And then we have the whole issue in the blended families where the stepmoms will say, I don't find my husband attractive because he won't stand up to his kid or he won't, you know, Till his kid no, or he buys his kid all this crap they don't need. He's just overly showering them with attention and affection and gifts and things of that nature. Right, right. So that's you know, it's a father in those situations is in a very difficult situation. You know, he, he's afraid of you know he doesn't want to come down too hard on his kids. All you know, they won't want to come see him. And um, so I, you know, as I. You know, man has to realize if he does that, he's not disciplining them. If he's letting them be disrespectful and behave badly because, uh, you know, he's afraid that they won't come see him, he's really, he's got to realize, and I have to realize this myself, he's really not helping them. He's, he's really failing them. He's really failing them as a parent because a parent's job is to teach your kids, you know, to, how to succeed in the world, how to go out in the world and be successful people, how to have friends, how to get a job and 
you know, live in the outside world away from their parents because every kid at some point is going to be. So you're really failing them. You really have to teach them, you know, respectful behavior. And, and, and the thing is, you don't have to come down hard and yelling and screaming. You have to be, but you still have to set those boundaries. And it's really for the child's benefit. You have to realize, you know, screaming and yelling, hitting them is not, is out, but speaking to them in a firm way, you know, with consequences and enforcing those consequences. You have to do that because that's your job. You're failing your kids otherwise. And that, that, that's the most important thing to realize. Uh, if I don't do it, you know, I'm not being a good parent. And I, I wanted to be a good parent. And really, my kids responded positively to it. They, they want boundaries. They want to they be, uh, they, they, you know, I did it in a positive way. I, you know, I said, you know, you're too good to behave like that. And I said, you know, you know better. And that really in a positive way. Yeah, but you can't spoil them and just because, you know, you want them to favor you over their mother mm-hmm. or something like that. That's move beyond that. That's that's being silly. Yeah, and then we've got the whole guilty parent syndrome, which you've touched on, but also we're just going to use the father in this example. The father looks at it as he's already missing fifty percent of the kids' time. And right. then the older they get, they start freaking out because they're like, Oh my gosh, I've only got two years left, which fifty percent of the time I've only got one year left and my kid's gonna move out and I don't want to force them out. I hadn't spent enough time with them. So what are some suggestions you would have for people on how to overcome that guilty parent syndrome? Well, I mean, if at a certain point they are going to move out. That happens even if in intact families where, you know, the parents are still together. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, your, your kids are going to leave and uh, go to university or whatever. I mean, it, it's part of life. <laughs> Accept it. I mean, it's, it's, um, that's part of life. You know, I mean, I, my kids, you, you know, they're on their own now. One lives in another city. Another one lives in, you know, the same city as me here. But, you know, she's got her own place. We get together. It's life. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the pro- progression of life. It's. Uh, I don't think you need to be feel guilty about it. It's. Um, I mean, you don't want your children to be living with you when they're 35 years old, do you? I mean, so you got to let them out and go into the real world and become independent. It's. Um, that's part of it. Yeah, we see a lot of um, stepmoms that are scared to death that these stepkids are never going to move out because the bio parent, their dad, is not encouraging them to get a job or to do anything after high school or look into college or have a plan for transitioning into adulthood. And it just it freaks them out. And we've actually got some stepdads that have the same concerns of where the 20-something-year-olds at home, but they're going to school and trying to figure out their bearings, and they want the kid out. Like, immediately, people have these timers on their phones, and it's the countdown till the stepkid turns 18. Like, they think they're going to magically just disappear. Well, you know, that that is a parenting issue, and I don't think it's, I mean, I know it's not exclusive to uh, blended families or divorced parents. It's it's a problem. I I see it. You know, people. Yeah, they don't seem to have communicated to their children that you know at a certain point either you're in school or you get a job. You know, remember that was the old fashioned idea. Yeah, the old fashioned <laughs> idea was you are out when you're 18, find a job and or at least find a job. I think most of us went to work when I was 15. I went to work when I was 15. Right, but I mean, if the person's in school, okay, they, they're in school. So it's either you're in school or you get a job. It's, there's no doing nothing. Yeah, right? I had to do both. <laughs> okay, well, that's why you became the responsible person you are. But I, I, I see it 
really, I see it today. People, I, 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 I don't know what, what's the matter with parents today. Don't they understand? You know, either you're in school or you get a job. If you drop out of school, okay, a week or two, you got to get. <laughs> After a week, go get a job because, and you know what? The job is often the cure to get the person to go back to school, right? That is correct. That is true. You, you know, you, you're out of school. You look for a job. You say, hey, this isn't so much fun. I think I'll go back to school and so I can get a job that, uh, you know, lead, is more interesting, more satisfying. So definitely. But, uh, you know, what you're saying is so true. I just don't I understand why parents uh, don't understand that this is their responsibility. I mean, it, you know, it's sort of tied them with your, your job is to give them the confidence to go out and find a job. You know, that's but problem. I, I think. You know, some of these kids, they're not lazy. They just don't have the confidence to do it. And so your job is to give them confidence. Your job is to build them up. I mean, I tell people, the whole world will shoot down your kids. It's your job to build them up so they can go out and handle that and, and succeed. So, I mean, I tell my kids, you know, just go out, keep challenging yourself. Do you do one thing? That's great. Build on it. Next time, do something that challenges even more. I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand how parents could, you know, let their kids just flounder for, for, for like years. I, I, you know, it's your job. It's yeah, a, yeah. You can blame your kid, but it's your job. You're the parent, you know, find, you know, find a job for them. You know, maybe you have a friend that has a business that's going to give them a job, just get, get them, help them with that first step into the world of work. You know, maybe, you know, if that's your job. I, 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 I just don't understand. I wonder how much of it is because, um, I mean, blended families are everywhere. They're not rare. They're they're predominant, really, and that creates the whole guilty parent syndrome. So nobody wants to parent, and so the kids are just coddled, and everybody gets a trophy for participating because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And then that boils over into your parenting style. Little Johnny's mama would never put him on restriction. So it's like there's a um, transition and how, and I'm sure this probably happens in every generation and I just didn't know it or hadn't paid attention to it, where there's a shift. We're back to where a lot of the grandparents too are raising the grandkids. And and then you've got the split families. You don't have that nuclear family dynamic like we did in the 40s, 50s. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, though, to see children not want to excel. And when I say children, I, I mean, you know, people getting out of high school. We see it around here a lot. And it's not just our area of businesses looking to hire people. People won't work. They just won't work. They'll come to work for two days and then they won't call back ever again. Or they go to lunch and never come back. It's not just, um, like you said, being lazy, but it's almost like... They feel like they deserve better, like they're entitled. Well, that's interesting. But, you know, I tell people, and I, I know, like I have a friend who has a son-in-law who, uh, you know, he, he seems to have trouble with the idea of get, getting a regular job because he had a job and he hated it, so he quit. So I said, well, you know, if you hate your job, that's good. Then you'll find a better one. I, I, I um, you know, I think this whole idea of entitled to a better job, okay, maybe you are. But the thing is, how, how is this person living? If he's living in his parents' home, so there's no incentive to, uh, you know, if he doesn't have rent to pay and groceries to buy, then what's the incentive? It's like, you know, hunger is a good motivator. <laughs> if, he's, if, he, if he doesn't have a job and he said, well, I got to buy some groceries so I can eat and, uh, you know, I need some money, so I better go and work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, uh, parents want to be, um, 
you know, not too hard on their kids, which is, is good. But, yet, you know, if, if he quits his job and he's just going to come home and you're going to continue supporting him, you know, you're not, you're not doing them a favor. That's, that's really, you're failing them as a parent because what, what do you want for your child to do? Nothing with his life? Or do you want them to go out in the world, make a difference, and contribute to the world? I mean, that's what I tell my kids. We were put on earth to contribute, so there's no sitting around doing nothing. Right. <laughs> go out and contribute. And if you one job, you'll see one job leads to another. And I tell them how in my own career, I started with one job, how that led to do something else, that led to something else. And, that led something else. and if you would have said at that first job where I was just getting minimum wage, that would, it would have led to this job here. I, I would never have thought of it, but it did. And that's, that's everybody's story. You start with one thing, it leads to something else. Mm-hmm. So the thing is to start. And we're here to contribute. And really, parents, whether they're, you know, it's a blended family or, you know, an intact family or just a single parent, you know, you're really failing your kid if you're not you're not teaching them and giving them the confidence to go into the world. I, I, I you know, I can't. I'm surprised that like you so much want to coddle your child, but you're not helping them. You're not helping them. I know someone who's. I was met a man who's like, you know, head of a company, and he said, and I, I've read about this since that sometimes he has people work for them and they have a problem, and their parents come in to talk to him. <laughs> You heard about this? Yes, that is crazy. I said, I never heard of it. <laughs> but then I, after he told me about it, he says, it happens all the time. And after he told me about it, he, he, I started hearing more and more about it. I said to him, well, you know, I have daughters, and when they've had situations at work, I, I've given them my advice on how I think they should handle it. He said, well, yeah, of course. That's what a parent does. You give advice from your experience, but you don't go in and do it for the child. The child has to do it themselves. Absolutely. So this is, this is what we've become. It's unbelievable. Golly, it's probably been close to 28 years now. Um, this job I had, and this guy was a little bit older than I was that worked there, and his mom would call in for him when he was going to be out. And I thought that was hilarious because I'm like, your mom is calling because you too sick to pick up the phone and call into work or whatever because I wasn't raised that way. Yeah, you know, yeah. you go to work, and if you don't go to work, then it's your responsibility to call and let them know why and to deal with the repercussions. But this guy, his mom would call and say, oh, he's not going to make it in today. I just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's – it's. Uh, I, I was just surprised by this. It's something, you know, you got to let them stand on their own two feet. And, you, you know, experience in the workplace – you can give them suggestions, but they've got to deal with it because that's how they learn, right? That's You learn by doing it. You don't learn by having your parents do everything for you. That's for sure. Right. And we have to equip our kids with the tools they need to be successful in life. And by just ignoring any type of structure or helping them guide them to whether it's college or a vocational school or the military, they need some guidance. And if it's not going to come from you, it's going to come from their friends. And that's, Probably not the best idea. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, I, and I, I think I, I understand. Like when, when um, you know, in a blended family or you know, or a single parent family, you're, you, you know, you, 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 you don't want to be too hard on them because you're afraid they're not going to come. I mean, that's how I was at first. Well, you just have to realize you, you're not doing them a favor, and you, and and they will appreciate you in the long run if you build them up and give them the confidence to go out and say. You know, I think you'd be good at this. I think, you know, you give it a try. That, that's what I think. You know, you, you know, I told my kids what I think they'd be good at. And, and you know, I don't, they don't have to do it. But I think, 
if you say, hey, I, I think you'd be good at this for this reason because I saw you you were good at this and you were good at that, and that's sort of a transferable skill to this kind of work, mm-hmm. hey, hey that, that gives them confidence. Yes, yes, th- that is so true, and that's so very important. If, if you don't have confidence, it um, impacts every part of your life. The most important thing a parent gives to a child is confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's really hard um, as a parent, and I'm sure that you know to – even discipline your kids in a nuclear relationship because you feel guilty or um, you feel like the mean one in the relationship. But let me ask you this. When you were married, um, was your wife more the disciplinarian or were you with your children? Well, I think she was more the disciplinarian. I think that, um, well, see, this is my view. I think she she went a little overboard. Um, I think that... Uh, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you can discipline kids in a way that is more inspiring than, than punishing. I think that's, that's my belief. And I, and I think, and it, you know, it depends on the child, mm-hmm. but I think with my daughters that, you know, they, if you motivated them, inspired them, it was effective rather than being, you know, punishing them. And I, I think it worked in terms of my daughters, maybe for other kids, you know, are really wild. My kids were really wild. They just needed to learn some about being more respectful. I think another situation that we should talk about is, uh, you know, when, like, well, it happens to fathers, especially because, oh, I mean, I talked to fathers about this is where there's conflict between, you know, your child and your spouse. Mm -hmm. And, and they both sides come to you (laughs) and expect you to take their side. Yes. And you're in the middle. It's not the... (laughs) Probably the most uncomfortable situation. Uh, each, each one expects you to, you know, that your son was disrespectful to me. Oh, you know, your your wife did this. You know, what do, what do you do? You're stuck in the middle. Like, mm-hmm. It's not easy. <laughs> I don't know the answer. Do you know the answer, Lori? <laughs> yeah, I do. I know the answer to this. My husband always um, puts one hand beside his face and another hand on the other side of his face and said, here's my kids fussing at me about Lori, and here's Lori fussing at me about my kids. And he's like, and I can't, I'm in the middle and I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's it, exactly. It's, uh, it's um, but I think, I think, you know, you just got to do what you believe is right. If your ch- ch- children were disrespectful to your spouse and you have to emphasize, they have to be... Uh, uh, respectful to her. And I think maybe, you know, and this should take place in private, you know, like if you have talked to your kids privately without your spouse there, Mm -hmm. or you need to talk to your spouse about, you know, not, not trying to, um, not, you know, trying not to be their parent because like, if they already have a mother, they don't really want to, they just, you know, just be, um, more friends to them, I guess. I mean, you would, you know more about this, but it's, but just try to, do things without making one side feel like they want because really just it's, it's, you know, it's hard to be a peacemaker. It, it is. It is. <laughs> In the middle. Um, and it's not a competition. It's not a race. It's not a who loves who most, who loves who more and the order of the family. It's what works for you and what you find that lowers your stress and lowers the stress of the blend and just take things day by day and not try to um, force something that, in a nuclear family, never has to be forced in the first place. Right, right. Oh, that's very wise. I really think when you go into a blended family or a step family that you should not have any expectations, none whatsoever. 
expect that those people are going to be there and you're going to be there. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, I think, I think, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard, right? It, it's, it's a challenge and you have to really go in with your eyes open. It's not just going to magically work. It's going to, you know, you got to have your eyes open and, and really think about, think before you act. Right. And as far as the men go, the first thing that they could do is once there is disrespect or disrespectful engagement between them and their girlfriend at the time, I would assume, or their significant other, if they're already married, um, they need to nip it in the butt. You can't let it happen and then happen again and happen again and then tell them it's wrong. Right, right, right. And you don't want your kids to be disrespectful to anybody, much less somebody you are claiming to love or think you might be in a relationship with. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's... um. That's really what I was saying. You're failing your kids. If you let them treat your girlfriend badly, disrespectfully, you have to teach them to respect everyone because you want them to succeed in life and they have to to succeed in life. You have to be respectful to other people. They won't want anything to do with you. They won't hire you at a job. They won't want to be your friends. They, you know, so it's very important, right? So you have to nip it in the bud right at the beginning and, and really, and you're doing it for their benefit. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, blended families would definitely benefit if they would sit down and discuss what they expect each other's role to be in their kids' lives. A lot of times it's not discussed. It's just assumed that the woman's going to take over the motherly role and the man takes over the fatherly role. And that's not always how it works. And you have to listen to your kids and, like you said, still parent them. You wouldn't you wouldn't let your kid go do drugs just because the neighbor's kid did. So don't lower your expectations for your kids just because the other parent doesn't have any for theirs. Right, right. So true, so true. I think I think that when when from what I've seen, when the kids already have like a, a, mother, a mother, and you know the father's girlfriend tries to be a mother, you know you've got to do it tactfully. I mean, you, you just you can't expect that they're going to treat you like you're their mother when they have a mother. And mm-hmm. same thing with the father. If, they have a father and you're the mother's boyfriend, you know, they may resent you thinking you're their father because they have a father. It's like, it's like, you're, it's like you're saying, oh, you think I don't have a father? It's, it's not you. It's, I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah, we've seen it too. And we've also seen that even if the mother is absent or even passed away, those kids still have a mom and the stepmom's not it. Right, right, right. Unless, you know, the... the um, you know, the mother passes away when the child is very young. And so really, it's like the only mother they had. But really, if it's later in life, then that that, that person is, is not their mother. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, it, like the second marriage is a blended family. It, it's really hard. It, it's, 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 it's not easy. It's, you really got to go in with your eyes open and, you know, really thinking it through and, you know, I know you have a program for it to really learn as much as you can because, you know, your sort of automatic reaction to situations, your your natural inclination, the way to respond might not be the most uh, effective way, the wisest way. Exactly. And there's a reason 72% of blended families don't make it. And I know why. I've seen why. I'm sure you've seen why. And our goal at Nacho Kids is to decrease that percentage. Well, that's a good goal because, you know, it's, um, you know, one divorce is traumatizing for the kids and the parents. And a second one is also traumatizing. And it's, and it's really about learning. Really, I, that's how I see it. It's really, 
learning how to make it work. And it's pers- growing as a person to learn how to make it work. Yes. And that's big. That is really big. Uh, one of the hardest things that we come to realize or that I came to realize and that a few people in the Nacho Kids Academy are coming to realize, and it's a good thing, but it's a difficult thing to realize, is that we're the problem. And the good part about that is we can change. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, you know, that's the message in my book. It's like, you may think all these people around are the problem, your, your wife, her parents, her friends. Well, you can't change them. You can only change yourself. And, and you are the solution. Yes. <laughs> you, are the, you are the solution, but you have to change the way you're doing things. And, and I tell people, you, know, you may feel you're a victim, but you know, these things are happening because you have to change. It really, it's a mirror. They're telling you how you have to change. And, and by, that's why these things are happening. And once you change and realize how the, you, you can effectively handle these situations and, and you grow as a result, those situations won't happen. And you'll say, hey, I feel so much stronger, so much you know, wiser, so much more incompetent and effective. Mm-hmm. But you got to learn. You can't just blame others. You can't just blame others and say, you've got to change. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to blame others, though, because it makes us feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's our natural response is to blame the other person. But really, it, blaming just doesn't work. It's It's... It's like, you know, I, I see this, you know, people go to marriage counselors and what do they do? They each blame the other person and, and want the marriage counselor to say that they're right, the other person's wrong and they have to change. Well, you know, it doesn't work. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I haven't heard that ever worked, but the, really the question is, how do I have to change? What do I have to do differently? And often it's like, you don't realize it. That's the whole thing. It's like, you have to, yeah, you really have to understand what am I doing that's not, that's causing this problem and how can I change it? You know, I'm willing to meta. You know, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but if I could just learn how I need to be different, then that, then that will be sort of, you know, it's sort of like what we were talking about in the beginning with my book is that men think I'm being this nice guy. I'm not controlling. I'm developing my feminine side and all these things. And it's not working. Well, it's not working because your ideas are wrong. Mm-hmm. You got to change. You got to change those ideas. And really, so many times, People will say to me, you know, I say, you really got to show your share of leadership. And they'll say, I've never heard that before. No one's ever told me that before. And, and really, and some, some people think this is like controversial. <laughs> I said, this is what men have been doing for thousands of years. You got to learn, you know, take leadership. It's like, it's, it's fascinating. Like I even, there was a review, an Amazon review of my book. And this man wrote and says, you know, when my girlfriend broke up with me because she said I wasn't leading, I was really confused. I didn't know what she meant. Well, now he understands mm-hmm. because he read the book. But it's like you know, so many men just don't understand. They think you know, I'm I'm being the nicest guy. And so it's the same thing when you come with um in a blended family situation, you think I'm doing the right thing, but you don't realize maybe you're not, and maybe you got to do things differently because you know it's so hard to see yourself. You know, it's easy to see the other person what they're doing wrong. But it's, it's like you can't see what you yourself is doing wrong, and that's the challenge. And that's the op- but that's the opportunity for growth. It is, and I have to say that through all the struggles and everything that we went through, I do consider them blessings because I learned so much, and I'm still learning. Um, you know, in the Nacho Kids Academy, we do a lot of challenges. We did um, a boot camp back in November that included being thankful. Then we did a 28 days to change your thinking. And um, wow. we're do- just finished 31 days of self-love because there's so much uh-huh. more involved in the blended struggle 
than just the stepkids making you mad. Because 90% of the time, it's not the stepkids. It's your perception of how the other parent should be parenting that causes the problem. Right, right. Yeah. There's a lot of realization that comes with um, nachoing properly and how to change your thought process. And it's, it's, um, it's almost like putting your mind on a diet, trying to eliminate the bad and look for the good and make that your focus instead of the bad in a relationship. Laura, it sounds like you're doing wonderful things and bringing peace in a lot of blended families. And that's really one of the greatest things you can do. You know, it's, uh, I believe that making peace in a family and a home is, you know, one of the most important things you can do. If you, you have an opportunity to, to do that, it's really one of the highest things you can do. Really. I, I believe that very strongly. Thank you. Um, it's definitely rewarding when we get emails that say, thank you, you saved my marriage or you saved my sanity. Um, we've actually had people tell us that we've stopped them from committing suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just be- just because <laughs> they heard us say something. And I'm really curious. I'm sure it would be hard to find um, statistics on it. But I do think that probably a lot of step parents, especially step moms, are either on medication or they have been suicidal through this whole blended mess because it gets so overwhelming. Uh, I I don't think they uh, do studies on that, but I'm not surprised. It's, uh, you know, I think the family is, is one of the most, you know, marriage and family, especially blended families are really one of the biggest challenges. It's a regular family is a big challenge. So a blended family is even a bigger challenge, but like we said, the bigger the challenge, the bigger the opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. And if you can succeed, you, you feel like, wow, I did it, and you 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 feel you've made a difference. That's, so what you're doing is tremendous, really. To make peace in a family, like I said, is a tremendous thing. It's really one of the highest things you can do. Well, thank you, and I also believe that your book has, I'm sure, helped many of men to realize there's a reason that nice guys finish last. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It's been uh, like the journey with the book has been it's been fascinating. Like like I say, so many men will say. You know, I I uh, I never heard this before. Why didn't someone tell me this? And th- and they realized that's what was lacking. Why didn't someone tell me this? Why is every other mess? All the messages we hear telling me, well, you know, be more feminine. Well, well, okay. Well, I don't know what that means when you. It's it's <laughs> it, 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 you know. And the thing is, you know, really, it's hard. It's hard to be man as a leader. It's hard to show leadership. It's just really easier. To just say, oh, I'll just do whatever my wife wants. It's easier, mm-hmm. but you know that it's a man's job. It's it's really, you know, why he's there. He's there to to show his share of leadership, and you know, not leave it, solving every problem to his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I coach men, and you know, it's, I tell them, yeah, you could blame your wife for this situation, and blame her for not solving it. But you know, if she doesn't solve it, it's up to you. You got to solve it, and. And by stepping forward and, and solving that problem that you're blaming her for, she will respect you because she'll say, hey, he's starting to act like a man. Mm-hmm. Now, too, men, too many men get trapped in this idea like, I'll bring in the money, I'll work hard, I'll work long hours, and let her run the family. I've heard that many times. They don't realize, really, that, you know, they, they don't want that. They, you know, you know I, I, I give this example, and I had so many men say, yeah, the, you know, the wife calls the husband at work. What would you like for supper? Chicken or fish? And the man thinks, why is she bothering me at work? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you make is good. You're a great cook. Whatever you make. Yeah, and he can't understand. And he can't understand why she, 
She's frustrated. He says, well, I said she called you because she really wants her input and it's important to you. So if it really doesn't matter to you, and that's what a lot of men will say, well, that decision doesn't matter to me. She can make it because it doesn't matter. Well, so then it's easy. If it doesn't matter to you, just make it because she really wants you to make it. It's, um, I, I say that story because I heard a lot of men say to me, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. You know, I'm sitting here thinking that too. I wonder how many times I've messaged David or called him and said, what do you want for dinner? When I know he could care less what's for dinner, he'll eat a bowl of cereal if I don't feel like cooking. He's just awesome like that. But maybe I just feel like, okay, I need him to make a decision today or something. You know, just may, right. maybe it's um, something subconsciously that I don't even realize I do. I'll have to start paying attention to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, or even another example a woman have said is, um, you know, they have vacation coming up. So the man will say, you know, you plan the vacation. We'll do whatever you want. And, and really, I the first time I heard that, I thought, well, what's wrong with that? Because, you know, he, he's saying, you plan, I'll go along with you. But And the woman will say, oh, I feel like I'm dealing with a child. And like, I said, yeah, because she really wants him to show his share of leadership. She, like I say, she doesn't want a controlling tyrant, but she wants a man who shows his share of leadership and not, doesn't leave every decision to her. It's, uh, it, it's, it's fascinating because it's so contrary to all the messages we, we hear in the media, like all this toxic masculinity. I mean, like, you know, men who behave badly, it's a horrible thing, but men are so afraid of being accused of being abusive or controlling or toxic. Like they're really, they're just, they're afraid to do anything. They're afraid to, like I say, choose a place for a cup of coffee. It's, it's, you know, and that's what my book is. It's really, I guess, you know, it's timeless wisdom on being the man. That's the subtitle. And that's really what it is. It's the teachings from over the centuries that fathers used to teach their sons about being a man. That's so much, so much of it has been lost today with all these other confusing ideas. Yeah. And then you've got everybody, oh, you need to be in touch with your feminine side. And like you said, making them feel bad if they're not. It's, try, it's trying to change people. Society has these expectations of what a stepmother should be. The stepmother should go in and be just like the natural mom and love their stepkid as their own and care for them as their own. But don't treat them as your own when you're punishing them because then that could be bad. And it's you know the same thing with the males, like you said, the dating, where it's, oh, well, you need to be in touch with your feminine side. Oh, you're too much in touch with your feminine side. And let people be who they are. And I think that, unfortunately, we have really high and unrealistic expectations of people. We just need to let things happen naturally a lot of times. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think, I think, I think we need, I think what's really been lost today is that you know, so many boys grow up without male role models. So many, you know, you know, well, that's a role. If, you know, if a, if a boy doesn't have a male role model with his father, then as a stepfather, that's really something, you know, stepfathers, you know, he's not, he can do it. You know, just take him out, be, show him how men do things. Like show him how man interacts with other men, how show him how a man treats a woman, how he treats his wife. Mm-hmm. They're very important things. And, and it's really realizing you are a role model that and and you know and the reverse also is true that a girl looks to her father as an example of a man and you know i've read this that you don't want to be you want to influence the kind of man your daughter will choose be that kind of man be you know show her this is what a man is and with luck you'll she'll choose someone who is like her father you know you often hear girls women say oh, i married a man just like my father that's often a negative way yeah but, yeah <laughs> but but it, it can be a positive thing that 
you know, they, they are looking for someone because in their mind, their father is what a man should be. And so they're looking for someone like their father. So you treat your, your daughters as you want a husband to treat them. Yeah. Hopefully they will find a man who's like that. Yeah. You definitely want somebody that um, treats your kids right. And that's another reason not to stay in a bad relationship. You know, we really try hard not to tell people to that they should leave the blend because we know it's hard and we know they can get past it. But there are times where you have to realize it's more important for your kids to see a healthy relationship than to be with their bio parents. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that's part of uh, choosing, a, a, you know, another spouse's, you know, will they be a good role model of, a, you know, if you have daughters of a woman for your daughters or a man for your son, that's part of it. Really. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but that's, it's, you know, you have a responsibility, you have, you have a responsibility to your children to, you know, to raise them properly and to surround them with the kind of uh, role models that will have a positive effect on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. Well, Elliot, it has been wonderful talking to you. It's been wonderful talking to you, Laurie. And you're doing such wonderful things. It's, it's really, it's, it's great. It's uplifting. It's uh, great to see Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And um, I still have not read your book, but I have it in the Amazon cart and I'm going to order it because I'm sure there's a lot of information in there that I can share with, um, especially the men or have David share it with them. They like to hear things from men instead of women, of course. And um, we'll definitely tell others about your book. So let me just tell you where your listeners can get it. It's called Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants, Timeless Wisdom on Being a Man. And it's available on Amazon as a paperback and an ebook. And it's also an ebook on Kobo and iBooks. And it's also available in bookstores. And if they're sold out, you uh, ask for it, they should be able to get it to you pretty quickly. Okay. And where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about you? Okay. My website is www.elliotkatz.com. And my Facebook page is the title of the book, Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. And are women allowed to like that page? Absolutely. 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 You know, women are are some of the biggest fans of the book. It's they, they say, how do I get my husband to read this? I had one uh, host say to me, she's going to give the book to her husband, tell him to read it. And after that, she's waiting for him in the bedroom in her negligee. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's one way to do it. We had, um, David did a for the men only course in the Nacho Kids Academy to help explain to the men predominantly um, why they should want their significant other to nacho and the benefits of them nachoing and things like that. And I laughed because he was recording and he was like, you're not allowed in here. And next thing I know, he comes out and I was like, are you through? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, how long is that thing? I told him it was a Netflix movie. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he gives them a lot of information and, um, Men definitely need to hear it. And a lot of times women need to hear it from a different man to be able to understand it about their man. Right, right. So we all have to share our knowledge and help each other. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just think you're doing great, great things because I, I, I know blended families are just very difficult. So all the power to, to you and your husband and what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. And um, I look forward to your next book. Okay. Yeah, the 101 <laughs> things to not say on your first date. <laughs> okay it's a great idea well thank you again elliot and i look forward to talking to you at some point in the future okay thank you laurie good to be be on your show thank you for having me bye-bye bye-bye
Did you learn anything, David? I learned that I'm already a strong man that women won't. I mean, that you won't. <laughs> yeah, we know. I have to be strong to stay with you. <laughs> that's right. See, and that's the thing is a strong-willed or strong-minded woman does not normally, I will say normally, want a man that is less strong than she is. Mm-hmm. I'll tell y'all something funny. In my dating days. Oh, here we go. You I need to close my ears? You might want to. There was this guy that I was talking to. Nice guy. You know, um, <laughs> nice guy. Get it? He's a nice guy. That's why he finished last. No, he finished last because he took bubble baths. <laughs> and why would you know this? Because I was on the phone with him and I said, what is that noise? And he's like, oh, I'm taking a bubble bath. I'm like, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up. Because if you are more feminine than I am, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interested. So, you know, because in my head, I picture, you know, him in the bathtub playing some Marvin Gaye and some (laughs) little candlelight. Good job. You knew Marvin Gaye. I know. And some candle lights and little like lotus flowers floating in the tub with his little miniature poodle sitting there barking. No, mm. no, but that's just me. That sounds like a Chrisley household. It's David, <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not offending anybody because I'm sure that a lot of women have men that aren't. We probably need to start over. <laughs> you don't offend it. Everybody takes bubble baths. Well. Uh, it's just uh, it's just me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, dig yourself out of that hole. I told you, women dig holes for themselves. Uh, You're in the trench you dug. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just a very strong woman. You are a strong-willed woman, yes. Well, and I was a tomboy growing up, so maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Yeah, and like, I'm not real frou-frou or whatnot, so. All right, so I understand that you don't like the whole bubble bath thing. Some women probably don't care, but I'm sure that's not the premise of Elliot Katz's book. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> All right. So what is the premise of his book? You have to read it. No, but I want you to read it and tell me. You always want me to do the work. Is it on Audible? <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, then I'll do that. And it's on Amazon. Cool. I'm going to put a link in our show notes. All right. And a link to his website. Because not only do we talk about things like that, but we talk about how women need men to make them feel special. Mm-hmm. Like, chivalry might be dead, but it needs to come back to life. Somebody needs to resuscitate that thing. Oh, well, it's a two-way street. How's it a two-way street? You're supposed to open a door. Mm-hmm. All right. Because, you know, for all the chivalryness that's happening. Yeah, that stuff. You know, us men, you know, we expect reciprocation. We ain't opening a door for you. That ain't part of it. We don't want the door open. Saying thank you is all we're supposed to do. Okay. David, why mm-hmm. your eyes rolling back in your head? <laughs> it's not the reciprocation. All right, let's talk about it. some examples of chivalry. All right. One of them is the man opening the door for the woman. Which I do. One of them is the man walking to the closest part of a road when you're walking on the road. So that way if somebody gets hit by a car, it's them, not you. Which we don't walk on the road, but I would do. Okay. What is something else that's chivalrous? Oh, paying for meals. Which I do. We're married. It don't count. <laughs> See, there we go. <laughs> now it don't count all of a sudden. Well, that's because I pay for them too. Well, yeah, with my money. How you know it's not my money? 
I don't. All right. Part of it's got to be mine. I think, oh my gosh, I think that chivalry is also defending your wife or your girlfriend if somebody says something inappropriate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good example. In a blend, if the stepkid says something inappropriate, rude, whatever, disrespectful to the stepmom, the bio dad needs to chivalry it up and take up for his woman. Okay. But sometimes that don't happen. Nope. And why is that, David? Because chivalry is dead. No. Because <laughs> of guilty parent syndrome. Oh, uh, yeah. Or maybe the guy agrees with the kid. David, you digging the hole now. I'm just saying. If the guy agrees with the kid, then there is a big problem. I, I don't doubt that. I, I'm not saying that there's not a big problem. I'm saying that that could be what's happening. Well, if that's what's happening, she needs to get a little nerfy. <laughs> we'll start selling Nerf guns with nacho kids on it. Hey, that's an idea. <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> Nerf will be like, man, how come our sales went up, you know, by a million percent? But like, it's a stepmom weapon. <laughs> well, I mean, I do think that, that men should take better care of their women. That, sound, that, that even sounds corny, masculine, whatever. I don't know. I'm not politically correct. Apparently, I'm not either. But um, no, I mean, I think opening the doors for them, being nice to them. Um, and frankly, I mean, I try to do all that and then some. I mean, I try to make sure I kiss you goodbye every morning before I leave. I tuck you in um, at night. Sometimes I even tuck you in before I leave and cover you all up with covers and, you know, just little teeny things like that. But I really think he's trying to suffocate me when that happens. But well, th- that's a different story. No, the thought does go through my mind. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just turning the shower on for you so that it can be warm before you get in there. Because um, you notice I don't take a bath. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, I'm writing a, a love note on the mirror, uh, doing the dishes because, you know, it's your job. Um, what? Doing, <laughs> uh, making sure that I have good cleaning supplies for you to use. You are going, uh, you going on a crazy train now. You get really, you about to derail. <laughs> Better slow your roll. I'm getting ready to mute you. <laughs> we are not in the Facebook group. I can mute you on here. I do the editing there, sunshine. Uh, okay. Okay. I do want to clarify something though. Because I'm thinking about this. Some women themselves enjoy bubble baths and little flowers in the bathtub and candles and all that stuff. So they may like a man that does that stuff. I'm just saying for me personally, no. Mm, well, I could see you taking a bubble bath. That doesn't mean you want me in there with you taking a bubble bath because then it's like not relaxing anymore. Or I don't want to call you and say, hey, what are you doing? And be like, oh, I'm relaxing in my bubble bath with my Mr. Bubbles. <laughs> Mr. Bubbles. <laughs> you remember Mr. Bubbles? I do remember Mr. Bubbles. <laughs> Y'all Google Mr. Bubbles. That was some awesome stuff. Yeah, like you only you. had to put one cat full of there and it would like like a volcano of bubbles. See, I was raised to take bubble baths now that I think about it. Were you? Yeah, we always took bubble baths. That's the only way your mama could get you in the bathtub. You're probably right. That's probably exactly what it was. Because kids didn't want to take baths. And you said, I would oh. like hide under the bubbles. Yeah, so we got bubbles, and then you'd make the Santa. Oh, yeah, the Santa chin? Yeah, the beard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. And blow them all over the bathroom. Mm-hmm. End up having to mop the floor when you got out. Your mama made you mop? I, like a dog. Mm. Terrible. So that's why you think it's a woman's job now. <laughs> well, because she made me mop? Mm-hmm. Mm. What do you mean why I think it's a woman's job? Well, you said doing the dishes was my job. That's because we share responsibilities, and that's your responsibility. Oh, we share it because you dirty them and I have to clean them? I'm the one that cooks. Who? You went and picked up food. That's cooking. <laughs> it's cooking when you go pick up takeout, but not when I pick up takeout. That's why I tell you to make sure that you go out to eat so there's nothing there to clean up. <laughs> He's so kind. <laughs> One thing I want to address is during this episode, I make the comment that a lot of times the stepmoms are the issue. Do not send me hate mail because you think that I'm taking blame for all of our blended struggles. I've said it before. When I am unhappy, I am a force to be reckoned with, as many of our listeners are. The saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, is true. But if stepmama ain't happy, nobody in the world is happy. That's for sure. (laughs) It's a different level of unhappiness. Am I right, David? You are correct. So we have to be, here we go, I like this word, mature enough to recognize our impact on things that can result in negative interaction or negative feelings. Okay. How was that, David? That sounded great. Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Because in my head, I'm thinking of like a wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, like the wheel's turning really good, but you throw another gear in there and it's going to all of a sudden start wobbling or skipping or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was the squeaky wheel. Mm-hmm. You were. You were the problem. <laughs> we all <laughs> we all have to recognize our contribution to the blend or to our relationship, whether it's with our significant others or with our kids or our stepkids. And I mean, David realized things that he was doing that was wrong too. His expectations of what the blend was going to be like or what my role in the blend was going to be was completely off base. Well, let's, let's talk about that a second because when, when you say things like uh, I was a big part of the problem, you talking about yourself, you was a big part of the problem or whatever. And you say, yeah, you were. You were the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a there's a precursor to all that. So you feeling like you were the problem or doing things that caused problems, the precursor to that was the fact that my expectations of what your role would be was incorrect. It was the problem. And so because the expectations were the initial problem, it caused your actions and reactions to the, to become the problem. So you threw me to the wolves. No, I didn't throw you to the wolves. What I'm saying is that before what you did or didn't do became a problem, uh, my expectations of what your role would be were incorrect and problematic. And so it, it led to the problem that you experienced. Well, it's always easier for someone on the outside to see what the problems are. Mm-hmm. And when the stepmom is miserable and everybody's miserable and she feels like everybody hates her, the last thing she wants to think is that she's the problem. I mean, Are because you? that's like a slap in the face, kick them while you're down. You know, you're the scum of the earth. And Well, not just that, but everybody can see the other person uh, creating the problem more than they can see it themselves. You know, if, if you would have told me 
Um, you know, this, if you would have said the whole problem we're having is the fact that you expect me to do X, Y, and Z, I'd be like, no, that's not the problem. The problem is how you're doing X, Y, and Z. Mm, and blaming me. <laughs> so, you know, neither one of us would have really wanted to, to accept what our role was in, uh, in the problem. And it wasn't that anybody was quote unquote to blame. It was that we were all going into this incorrectly and with bad assumptions and bad expectations. And so one bad decision led to another, to another, to another, to the point where we almost got divorced. And it wasn't any one person that did something wrong. It was just a collective of bad choices and bad decisions that were filled with good intention. But I feel like the reason that I can say that it was mainly me that was causing the issues or however you want to say it, we can try to sugarcoat it if you want. But I think that the reason I say that is because once I changed and started nachoing, things got better. So if I wasn't the quote, quote, main issue, things would not have changed so drastically when I changed. That's true. I think that the difference is, like you said, you were the squeaky wheel, meaning (laughs) you were the part of the problem that was the most recognizable. I was the loudest. Yes. And so, and it's like we talk to people all the time about once you start nachoing and you start backing off, the other problems that are there start rising to the top because you're no longer in the mix. Right, because by me nachoing or the stepping back process of the nachoing method is when you were able to see what your kids were doing wrong. Because when I would tell you what they were doing wrong, you would get defensive and be like, all she does is bash my kids. Whereas when you were seeing it yourself, you were like, "Uh, I can't say anything. This ain't her fault. Yeah, well, it's not, not just that, but some of the things that they were doing wrong were things that didn't bother me and they bothered you. And so that's another aspect of it. Right. But I think that the things that they were doing may not have bothered you the first two minutes, but after that, it would start bothering you. But I always jumped in before that. So it was, it bothered me more. Yeah, it did bother you more. But it was also that when you jumped in, that you compounded the problem. I didn't just compound it. I shifted the problem to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was nice of you. <laughs> I'm willing to accept my role Whatever. <laughs> well, I bring up the other part just because I know that there are women who who say I'm trying to nacho and I you know want to do this and do that and trying to make everything better, and all the while my significant other is saying we're all going to sit at the table together and we're all going to be a family together and we're going to do this together and this together and that together. And you're going to love my kids. You hear me, woman? Yeah, you're going to love them like your own. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, it's it's bad because you have one person that has seen the light and they and they have all this knowledge of what things should look like and why things aren't working and then the other person don't they want to hear that they don't want to hear that it won't work that way um and that's you know for us we fortunately didn't go through that because we were both at (laughs) at the point where we just we were so give out and done with each other that we were willing to try anything Mm -hmm. and so except for hypnotism I would have done that too. I wouldn't. Um, but, you know, we just, we were at a point that nothing else was going to work for us. We tried everything else. It was um, a last ditch effort to save our blend. To lose. Yep. It was a last ditch effort to save our blend. Mm-hmm. Well, our relationship, our marriage, and my sanity. At that point, I didn't care about your sanity. I know. 
<laughs> see, because you are an uncaring person. I'm just kidding. See, this is where, see, you need to read Elliot's book. <laughs> All right, I'll open the door for you. Matter of fact, I open the door right, right now <laughs> so you can leave. <laughs> Elliot, <laughs> if you have a copy that you've marked up and highlighted certain areas, please feel free to send that to David. <laughs> or if not, don't worry about it. I'll do it. <laughs> To make sure that he gets it. I may forge your name and say, Dear David, please pay attention to these highlighted parts <laughs> because I think it may help you. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, that is our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening and make sure you just send your hate mail to David at <laughs> <laughs> DavidHaters.com. Yeah, there you go. I, I feel sorry if anybody has that email address because they're going to get all kind of hate mail. <laughs> we'll end up having somebody actually create it for us. <laughs> you better go snag it. Somebody going to steal it and make you pay $1,500 to get it back. <laughs> It'll become a millionaire off me. Yep. Uh, anyway, so join us next Friday for a new episode. And again, happy new year. Talk to you later. Hasta la pasta. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.